Welcome back to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Austin Montgomery for Senior Housing News. On today's episode, I spoke with Insight Living Principal Brian Zebert. The Brea, California-based senior living management company operates communities across four western states with future plans including potential new development, acquisition, and joint venture growth. Insight Living continues to seek new growth while aiming to transform its operating model with actionable, data-driven insights. To achieve that operational success, Zbart believes the company's path forward will be paved by artificial intelligence and data-intensive solutions for operations aimed at creating efficiency for staff and transparency for residents and families. We are thinking of data in a really transformative view and, and not incremental change, but data to really drive a new way that we can support our three customers, our employees, our resident families, and our residents. Now, here's my interview with Brian Zebert, Principal of Inside Living. Brian, thanks so much for joining us here on Transform. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, for the invite. It's a pleasure to be here. And let's start off, I think, let's talk about 2023 for Insight. I know it's been a very busy year from your perspective. How would you describe this year so far? Yeah, I I kind of use this analogy all the time with our team that you know we're, we're driving the bus while we're wanting to build a new one. And so it's been um, a lot of that this year. We, we have Several great communities. One just opened and is on and lease up, and uh, and others that we're focused on driving value at. So we need to continue to drive the bus, but we're also every day being mindful of the fact we're trying to build, uh, you know, a, a new bus that doesn't exist, a new operating model that doesn't exist within senior housing today. So it's been a balance, but uh, it's it's a challenge worth pursuing. So that's been been our year in a recap, essentially. I think it's a very good analogy. So I, I think uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about it. You want to maybe outline some of the key differences you see with Insights model? Yeah, I think what I tell people is that we are a data first operator. And so I think within that continuum of data, there's you know very low analytical maturity where there's reports and dashboards, and those are all very valuable management tools. But we are thinking of data in a really transformative view and, and not incremental change, but data to really drive a new way that we can support what I call our, like our three customers, our employees, our resident families, and our residents. And, and you know, when our families only get phone calls from senior living operators nationally, when something bad happens, that's a gap. And I think, again, we believe that data can help fill that gap and about 100 others, and uh, excited to kind of talk through some of those with you today. Most definitely. We'll get to data here in a little bit later in our conversation. Uh, let's dive in and talk about the launch of the Ativo brand, uh, because I think that has been a very good catalyst for Insight. Uh, what projects are underway for that brand, and can you just discuss what the years look like for Ativo? Yeah, no, it's been a good uh, a good. A launch of the Ativo brand. We have a couple communities under the Ativo brand. One was a new build we just opened in Prescott, Arizona. And um, we have another construction project underway in Albuquerque and a couple others that will follow over the next few months. And so Ativo is really the, the subset of our communities that our sister company, Link Senior Development, builds, 
we capitalize internally and we manage internally. And so those are really our kind of class A projects that we build. Obviously, we, we also um, pursue other acquisition opportunities and, um, and, and other joint ventures that may fall outside of that brand. But I think Ativo will really be uh, kind of that, um, that you know, set of properties front and center for us. And with that vehicle for growth, do you want to just outline the trajectory that you see for the Ativo brand going forward? Yeah, I think, you know, geographically, we're really focused on the West and Southwest. I've got a couple of young kids at home. And so being able to take you know, long, long day trips, uh, you know, to our, our properties is important for me. But, um, you know, beyond that, I think, you know, we're, we're very low ego. So I don't feel like we need to be in Scottsdale or Newport Beach necessarily for the sake of it. Uh, and again, most of our deals are capitalized internally. And so it's important for us that we are very mindful of pursuing projects that we believe um, have the greatest chance of success. And, and you know, it's every dollar is, is our own and we, we treat our internal and external capital the same with that regard. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, find, we'll look for opportunity wherever it lies. And when you mentioned those markets, what makes those the most attractive to Insight and Ativo? Yeah, good, good question. Um, well, it's nice that we get you know 320 days a year of sun in Arizona or whatever that may be. So that's that certainly is a plus. But I think our integrated AI platform that we're building again, that's really the core for how we'll operate our communities in the future, uh, really adds the most benefit to communities that have a very high expense run rate in labor, um, as well as utility utilization. And uh, long-term, I think really even driving into some of our insurance costs. So this really lends itself to our best markets being markets that have inherently higher cost of operating because I think we can really move the needle on the cost side uh, based on what what we've seen so far. Yeah, and I'm really excited to get to data. I've got a few questions uh, here lined up later later on. And let's first talk about the growth of Insight, because I think there's been a strong trajectory there. Would you just be able to discuss some of the new growth that you've seen for Insight in, in since the launch? Yeah, I think number one is that we, we constantly have discussions with other asset owners who feel exactly what we felt prior to... Um, to starting insight, which is that disconnect that you know the industry discusses at length, right? Um, on this disconnect between owners and operators, and so that's um, we've been sowing a lot of seeds in really meaningful discussions over the last several months with several owners who who feel this, and um, you know we as we as we pursue growth for insight, um, you know we believe that we're going to lead with an example that really puts our money where our mouth is, so to speak, and and backing up what we believe for, um, you know, for our properties. And so with that, I think, you know, between breaking ground on one or two projects per year, pursuing acquisitions strategically, and then pursuing really, um, you know, strategic joint venture management, not uh, just simply, you know, third party, I think we're positioned well for the next turn of the page. Definitely. And I think this year has been an evolution for a lot of operators in terms of challenges that maybe started in the in the beginning part of the year have, have come into maybe lessened a little bit. I think we've seen some improvement on staffing for a lot of operators. 
and also some uh, stabilization on expenses, even though they're still not where I think a lot of operators want them to be. But do you want to just talk about what areas have improved this year that might have been challenges to start out? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the big one that everyone uh, discusses and for good reason is around labor. Um, Certainly, there's a lot more predictability around um, wages, I think, is is meaningful. Um, Also, in general, we're seeing about an 80% increase in like-for-like applications over the last year for um, a lot of our line-level roles. We still are in uh, some smaller markets that uh, run pretty thin on on you know the depth of the, the labor pool. So that's something we're always cognizant of. But uh, one thing that I think is a benefit lately is uh, just some greater clarity or, or um, confidence level in our non-labor expense projections. You know, again, you know, six months ago, a year ago, obviously everyone's focused rightfully so on on labor as a, as a bogey, but, you know, we've seen dramatic increase in, uh, in many non-labor categories as well that, um, you know, add up significantly. And just in terms of opportunities that you might see on the horizon, do you, what are some areas that you're really looking at that you're excited about? I know, obviously, um, one of my guesses here would be data, just knowing um, just how involved you are from that perspective. But just when you look at the senior living industry more broadly, what opportunities do you see out there uh, as you look ahead to the next 12 months or so? Yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll key in on our own data side, I guess, later. But I think um, the senior living industry has an incredible opportunity to drive to better outcomes for our residents. And I think we've seen some good early information, um, which I believe was discussed at Nick regarding um, a University of Chicago study uh, of a couple hundred thousand Medicare recipients and analyzing, uh, you know, how, how they recovered from hospitalization once they moved into skilled nursing assisted or memory care. And I think those are the very first kind of case studies that we need to really drive as an industry because from socialization to improved physiological outcomes and a range of other things, um, senior living adds value to our residents and their families. And we, we have a, a unique opportunity on the horizon to articulate that to families and prospects. Um, I always talk about the fact that the hard product for senior housing has vastly improved over the last 20, 30 years. I mean, we work with some great architects who are doing some amazing things and I'm, I'm constantly blown away. But the industry penetration rate as a whole has not really you know, met that uh, level of improved um, sophistication and hospitality with the actual hard product. And I think the gap in that is the education piece to the public on the value that senior living provides to families with families and residents. And so, again, I think the golden opportunity on the horizon for the industry overall is not just wait until there's so much demand from the wave but really be able to use the information that we have to be proactive with that message. And, and, uh, and again, I, I think everyone in the industry believes that um, everything we're doing day in and day out is adding values to families. And it's just time that we, we articulate that externally um, in a way that's meaningful for prospects and, and their families. Right. And I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, but how are you viewing staffing right now? Is it moderating for you? Is it getting worse? Just want to hear just about some areas where you think uh, staffing has improved. I uh, would love to know just from your perspective what it's been like. 
Yeah, I mean, I think overall staffing has improved again. I think in terms of um, uh, top line wage growth that has has abated, but also there's a lot of better data to help us around this as well. So Living Path is a third party industry resource that um, now publishes great data around regional wages and wage analysis. So again, I think there's a lot of um, companies bubbling up on the peripheral like Living Path that can really help um, make, you know, educate operators to be more informed about on the wage side. Um, what we've also done is we've really begun to broaden the scope of, of who we're hiring in the job descriptions and focus more on hiring for a set of, you know, values and, and competencies more than a certain set of experiences. And so I think, you know, a specific example on that would be, you know, as we think through, um, you know, what level of senior housing experience does a specific role need to have versus someone who is highly solutions oriented, a, you know, an, an innate problem solver, someone who's a customer champion, those qualities can, you know, transcend, you know, every industry and, um, and add value. And I think we've seen uh, great feedback from, from prospects who are interested in, in entering to the senior housing space that otherwise wouldn't have made the list because of some specific requirement around years of service in senior housing. And so I think um, that those two factors combined have helped us to improve our pool of applicants there. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, it's You're not alone in, in hearing that that success on labor, which is encouraging, I think, across the industry as we've coming out of the last three years. Now I want to shift uh, to, I think, the part of the conversation I'm most excited about, and you might be as well, is just being able to dive into data. Uh, when we spoke in January, you mentioned that Insight was going big on predictive analytics. So let's talk tech and the ways that data can help improve operations. You maybe just want to outline the the data model that you're relying on and some of the points there, and then we can dive into some more uh, detailed points. Yeah, definitely. So let me kind of lay the foundation. Essentially, there's every senior living community has, let's say, an average of 13 different tools that are used to operate a community. And many of these are individual point solutions that solve a specific problem. Um, and so the progression of this has been, let's say 20 years ago, all of these problems were paper-driven, manually uh, addressed. And you know, fast forward 20 years to where we are today, now there's all these different technology companies that have a specific solution for each of these problems. And I think that's where a lot of operators are today is that they we've they feel they've solved some of these problems because they have an in-place solution. Of course, each of those does not integrate with the other, and also each of those costs several hundred dollars or sometimes thousands of dollars per month each because they have an entire business they're building around these different uh, aspects, right? And so, what we've actually done is we created a layer that sits above the communities and it ingests all of the data that. Um, every single tool we use uh, spits out. And it doesn't just pull in the information from these tools, but it's also pushing into the tools information around our residents and units to help normalize it. So we have one consolidated database with millions of records that are all seamlessly tied together. And it allows us to really unlock a whole new paradigm around what happens when you know, uh, what, what do we want to have happen when someone visits a specific resident? 
how is that influential? And what do we want to have happen when a resident skips a meal and also is prescribed a new medication that is, uh, you know, you know, makes them, you know, uh, feel nauseous. And so we can we can pull the thread on all these individual use cases and and really begin to unlock some meaningful insights. Now that's kind of the first step, right? Like delivering, taking the data, organizing it in a way that that makes people say, oh, that's really interesting, right? Like that's a good first win. Like, oh, what? Like that's cool that you can correlate the medication changes with changes in their sleep quality, with changes in their activity participation and changes in their dining participation because it's now all integrated. The next step though, which is why we are creating a whole new bus, is we are really thinking through how does the business need to change the way we operate around this capability? Um, and so again, I think you know we can talk you know through that further, but um, at, a, at a high level, that's really it. And I think we've really actually begun to in-source. So again, a lot of these are, are point solutions. We've begun to create these different tools, our own proprietary set of tools that our communities operate off of um, to address gaps in the existing tools in the market to really fit the actual need of the business. Um, and so it's it's been very it's been very good. I think we have delivered a lot of wow, that's really cool. And we're at that turn of the page to say, okay, how do we make this meaningful in terms of driving family engagement, in terms of driving better outcomes for residents, uh, and, and an overall better better product? So I, we're excited about the, the next year in this space. Definitely. And I, we recently reported uh, on a data story for SHN that just the heart of the story really was about integration and the key to having all of your data integrated. Because if you have, like you said, those 13 different systems that are running and not able to speak to one another, you're left in the dark in terms of making connections and finding operational insights that you can turn into decisions. So do you want to just talk about how important integration is? And I think that that's kind of like you had mentioned, the base of it all to make your systems work is to really make them talk to one another. So you want to just talk about how integration plays into your data model? Yeah, no, I think that is like, it's paramount to your point. So every every tool provider wants to be the integrator, right? They want you to use their platform for reporting, their platform for X, Y, and Z. Um, and again, I think for most companies, they may have to do that uh, because they don't have this as a core competency. And that's, that is totally fine. That's going to add an incredible amount of value for senior living overall. And I think there's a lot of great technology companies that will, will serve that role. Um, I, we believe that that integration of the data is, is critical to unlocking the next, the next uh, iteration in senior housing. Um, we have a, a, a tight relationship, a joint venture formally with a data science company called Smilefish out of Newport Beach in Southern Cal. And Smilefish is, um, you know, they're experts in healthcare applications and data integration. And so we have on one side um, experts in driving innovation in data and machine learning and um, integration. And on the other side with an insight uh, we have a group of folks who understand the application of data to business and understand the practical challenges and realities of of implementing technology and tools into 
uh, communities that are operating. And so that relationship is, is completely symbiotic and we are constantly iterating on how we can improve and make the, the data more useful and meaningful. And so I think whatever operators can do to really drive that integration and automation is going to, um, it's going to pay, uh, you know, 10x returns on, on the time spent on that. What are some of the biggest data points that you're really looking at or found yourself looking at this year in terms of just gauging your operational success? Were there any data points attached to just the way communities were being run? Or was this more this year about getting the data and getting it in front of you to really start kind of laying the foundation to start being able to make decisions? Would really like to know just if there were any sort of highlights within the data that you found yourself looking at this year. Yeah, no, that's a good question. So we have uh, an average of, now it's probably more than this, but um, as of a month ago, it was about 27,000 unique records per resident for our pilot communities that we're, we're running this with. And so that's a lot of that's a lot of information overall. And again, it's useless as a big lake of millions of records. But what we've done as kind of our quick early wins this year is when certain things happen within the data, it triggers surveys via text message or email or phone call automatically to um, resident families, which has been very useful. So we have we have a firm belief that there needs to be far more uh, engagement with resident families. And again, up until the point where we have language models like ChatGPT and integrated data, it's impossible to have that level of engagement with families because we can't have caregivers on the phone, you know, 24 hours a day calling families. But we've begun to really have this conversation with families um, based on their visits, based on the care of their loved one, based on you know, uh, after they've moved in. And so we've been able to really uh, build the foundation for with families on, we want you to be a part of this discussion. Um, we've also built internally tools that allow our team, our caregivers uh, and our executive directors at our pilot communities to be able to have a conversation with the data directly, um, literally, you can ask it, um, how was, you know, um, how was Austin's week? And and the system will come through the 27,000 records for in that resident, will return to our team internally how that resident's week was, pulling from, you know, they had a great week, they slept well, did X, Y, Z, their vitals were unchanged, they took all their medications, um, and, and provide a narrative-based summary, uh, you know, to our team. So we're able to pull... Um, Pull that only because all of the data is integrated. And at some point, it's going to be paramount for us to begin to have families tap into these capabilities because, um, you know, again, I only get a call from the, the memory care that my grandpa's at a thousand miles away when something bad happens. And we think that that is, is, a, is an industry problem preventing more adoption of the product. Again, this vastly improved product because it feels very black box-ish. It feels very much like, you know, there's no communication from the consumer's perspective. And, um, and again, we've already begun to break those barriers down and we're excited for that, you know, further breakdown. And it seems like you're really trying to get to the heart of that to create essentially a two-way street to be able to let families know exactly what's going on almost, I wouldn't say in real time, but very close to real time in being able to get the insights about their loved ones. 
Do you think that plays into the value proposition for Insight? And it's something that will be very useful down the road as you're really kind of building out the data platform? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's a range of tools that exist today, like SafelyU and CamiVision are two examples of fall detection um, video-based companies. And I think for other operators, they should absolutely invest in those because they are um, like they actually work and it can make it can mean a resident falls and is on the ground for minutes instead of hours. I mean, that's a that's a direct quantifiable difference between living at home alone and living in a community with these capabilities. And so um, we are building again, we we not just are aggregating the data, but we are building out our own set of IoT to help us understand what's going on everywhere within the communities at all times. Um, again, I think there's great third-party products that exist out there, but that solves one problem. I want to be able to hear the observations from our technology, our sensors into a lot of other data to really drive to these consolidated findings here. And I think we'll actually be able to predict um, uh, decline we have a PhD in biomedical engineering on our team uh, named, named Yasi Fadapur, and she uh, is focused on using the data to drive improved uh, resident outcomes. And so I think we, you know, we believe that there's, again, what we've seen so far, clear leading indicators for decline, cognitive decline, physical decline, social, emotional decline. And so by packaging the information together in this consumable format, I think we're going to be able to predict um, a lot of these issues long-term. And I think you had mentioned it earlier, but just those 27,000 data points that are an average uh, collected for residents um, and just informing the care team and also family members, do you just want to talk about the complexity of using data to inform operations? Because I think there's a lot of potential for some operators to either one, misinterpret data or let it mislead them in terms of making operational decisions. So do you want to just talk about how you make an intentional relationship to really make sure that what you're looking at is representative of what's happening on the ground to be able to inform your decisions from an operating perspective? Yeah, no, that's, that is the actual challenge. It's, it's much harder making data actionable than it is to do everything else we just talked about that we've been working a year on. I think that's like the easy part, right? Aggregating it and putting it all together and, and getting a lot of, wow, that's cool. That is an important first step. So I think there's two pieces to this. One is that we have, we just recently onboarded a director of customer experience is the, is the role. And it's, uh, again, for small operator like ourselves, you, you typically wouldn't have somebody who is non-operational whose sole job is to focus on how do we use all of this capability, all of this information to rework every piece of our business from the lens of our customers being our residents, their families, and our team members to, to utilize the data. And I think a lot of that is around automation. So um, if X happens in this system, then Y happens in this other system. If our moisture detection sensor that's in every um, comm room detects moisture, it automatically creates a ticket for our maintenance guy to go out uh, in our own system that we use. 
if there is water detected on the ground outside of a resident's shower, then it creates a ticket to housekeeping to go uh, uh, make sure that it's not a slip hazard. If a resident goes to the bathroom 1.2 times per night normally, and then they go to the bathroom 3.5 times you know, over the two nights, then it triggers an alert to our caregivers or our executive director or the family member, depending on uh, power of attorney, that there may be a problem. And so I think, again, triggers within the data to automate those engagements are, um, are really what will make operations life a lot easier because it has to be, um, it has to be actionable, it has to be concise. Um, and I think that's, that's definitely the biggest challenge there. Language models also help this because we can send a finding to someone. It could be a, a team member, it can be a family member. And if they need clarification, they don't have to call to ask, right? They can email back, they can text back, and the language models can come through the data and then it can return clarifying information. So um, like if, our, if, our, um, if a resident and their family members are at a doctor's appointment, in, our, in the future state, in, in our environment, in 2024, our family members can text a, a number, uh, go onto a portal, and be able to get all the historical information that we're gathering to help the primary care physicians um, be more informed and educated. And so, again, it's just really thinking through how to make each piece of the data as useful as possible. Um, and, it, you know, again, that's really the, the aim overall. And now just with the little bit of time we have left, do you want to just discuss quickly the genetic testing plan and other care aspects that you see evolving over time? Because I think that was something that caught my eye when when we were speaking, because I think that's just something that is uh, new in the space relatively. So would would really like to hear what that uh, entails. Yeah. So what I like to do is, um, with all of these things, because it feels very etherical, is start with the, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could, and then fill in the blank with whatever we think is the most extreme example, right? Wouldn't it be cool if we had, if each resident had their own custom menu? They sit down and they have their own menu, and that menu has dining options that are curated to their own individual biology, right? And again, this is like, you, you, think, you think big first, right? Their own biology, their own allergies, you know, their own you know, you know, sensitivities to gluten or eggs or whatever it may be that's causing them, you know, that joint pain or that, you know, heart palpitations because of, you know, certain spices, whatever it may be. So, you know, you start with the, wouldn't it be cool if we could do that, which would certainly improve the lives of residents. It would improve all of these things, but it's operationally and logistically a nightmare, right? And then we work backward from there to think through, well, what's the very first thing we could do to at least get one step closer to that? And so what I think we're, we're doing um, now is we believe that between biometrics and blood work and even genetic predispositioning, we can um, not just use question and answer surveys for, um, you know, for our uh, onboarding of our residents, but use that level of of data, which, you know, then gets into really a big data discussion to, to drive that discussion. So again, if somebody has been a resident with us, um, we just did this as a pilot. We had a resident who, um, you know, knew they had anaphylactic allergy to peanuts, which, you know, you know, that one, obviously, 
Um, but we did a, a sampling of, of allergy testing with a handful of residents who opted into the, the pilot. And this individual found out that they were um, really highly, um, uh, highly intolerant to eggs. And, you know, we, we had, a, had a discussion with him. Yeah, I always feel kind of groggy, you know, midday, mid-morning and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And again, we have every meal that they've ever eaten in our systems, which is not novel, but, um, but we were able to tell them, hey, here's all the things you're eating that are probably causing you challenges and, and you know, modify their diet. So giving the resident that information so they can make that decision, you know, consciously. But I think those are like the first couple steps. And then there's a bunch of steps in the middle. And then you get to a point where you have um, care plans and you have dining and activity programming and everything curated around um, each resident's needs individually. And it adds no additional burden to the community operationally if it's done really thoughtfully and using the data to enable automation. Another quick, quick example, I know we're short on time, is I was at a med tech conference, medical technology conference this week in Orange County, and uh, a vendor had, using a single photo, um, made it so they can do a biometric scan and replace a 20-minute process to do a posture analysis. And a degraded, uh, degraded posture is associated uh, like with grip strength and gait to fall risk and even cognitive decline. So it would be great if every day we could take someone's posture, but it would take 20 minutes a day for hundred residents, you know, it clearly would not be operationally feasible, but this new technology, which they haven't even thought about applying in senior housing exists. And our system can send a still shot from common area cameras to this, this uh, application and every day return someone's posture score, just ambiently living in our communities. And wouldn't it be cool if we could, we can identify a degradation in posture earlier and get PT and OT involved and get in course correct before a fall happens and someone's hospitalized and they realize they have bone density challenges and then they get assigned PT and OT. And like, we believe we can uh, truncate that because only the technology is like emerging now and when it's integrated, we can see like, yeah, uh, Austin's posture has been declining the last couple of weeks, pretty notably. And also his diet has been changing and his sleep quality has been changing. And you know what? Three weeks ago, he was on this new medication that has had certain side effects and no human is doing that uh, analysis, right? That's all our AI platform that's delivering that to your loved ones and saying, we think this is a risk. This is a red flag here. Um, we need to get uh, the primary care physician engaged to course correct before, again, the inevitable happens. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you joining me here on Transform. I know from all of us here at SHN, we'll be watching along, uh, seeing how the data platform grows. Uh, best of luck in the new year ahead. Uh, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you again. That does it for this episode of Transform. I'm Austin Montgomery for Senior Housing News. Thanks for listening.